All right, we are live. Welcome back to Switchcast live-ish. Er, well, absolutely live. We start every Wednesday at 8 p.m.-ish. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, uh, founder of Switch Cars, GT Vault, and two-time overall Cannonball Run record holder. That's right, me and Arnie Toman are the fastest guys across the country. Each week, I will have a new guest co-host, some famous, some completely unknown, but all with a wealth of knowledge and experience to share. We'll take your calls and questions, as our goal is not just an interview, but an interaction, as we assist you, our audience, and seek to be the co-pilot on the drive of your life. The number to call in, if you want to be a guest on our show, ask me or my co-host questions, is 216 216- Two nine four four one two four. Again, the number is two one six two nine four four one two four. Or you can post your questions in the comment flow or wherever you are watching us live. My guest tonight is Steve Brown. Steve Brown is better known as Cannonball GMC <laughs> on TikTok. For all the fourteen-year-olds watching, <laughs> Steve is best known in the Cannonball world for his solo, non-stop-ish. Cannonball runs records, uh, somewhat nonstop. Steve lives in Illinois, and he's a retired cop, and he gets more free hot dogs at Fuel Phillips <laughs> than Rod Farver could ever dream of. And that's about the extent of my knowledge of Steve Brown. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a that's a, a very good one, and uh, so thank you for having me on. And uh, interesting uh, to, to to talk to people about the uh, the experience in law enforcement as a former police officer and sure. then second career and had, people always want to know how does that mesh what's going on with that so interesting to to talk about that tonight yeah so who are you we know your cannonball superhero cape who are you <laughs> in real life yeah so again uh, just regular uh, Steve Brown uh, I live in Peoria. Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, work for a large manufacturing company based in the, the Midwest, uh, have, have moved around a fair amount uh, of the United States uh, career-wise. Uh, again, had a, a very early career as a, a police officer right out of school. Um, and, you know, really kind of just a straightforward, normal, middle-class life. And then I discovered Vin Wiki videos, <laughs> and it <laughs> took off from there. That's where it all starts, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So is that how you, did you know about Cannonball already? I, I, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, I knew the movie, you know, was familiar with it um, from a pop culture, you know, standpoint. Um, I'd kind of known uh, about Brock Yates and, and the original actual events, but honestly, it wasn't until, you know, skimming through YouTube, like a lot of people found the Vin Wiki channel, um, became a fan of it, and then mm-hmm. just got consumed with the Cannonball content. And didn't really realize the depth of it or that anything continued today. Um, so really, my interest started from there. Okay. Yeah, it's funny you say a lot of people found the Cannonball content on VinWiki, but a, a whole lot more liked everything else. Because Ed always <laughs> jokes about how his Cannonball videos are the worst videos on oh, there. Oh, man. It's, it's, <laughs> hey, they're, they're my favorite. Yeah. Well, we have a much more limited audience. So when we do Cannonball <laughs> yeah. stuff, everybody's interested. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's very cool. Um, I was not old enough. Yeah, I was not old enough to know about Cannonball from the Cannonball Run movie. So my introduction to it was with essentially Mischief Destroy Gumball uh, Three Thousand gotcha. yeah, yeah. uh, Dustin's videos. Okay. Yeah, 
And same thing, I kind of said, well, maybe there's an actual thing that's that's an underground cannonball, yeah. kind of like Alex Roy did. Yeah, yeah. And then the 32-hour, seven-minute documentary came out and Alex's book. So that yeah. was my introduction, other than, obviously, Brock Yates' book, okay. Cannonball, okay. Uh, which I read in high school. That was my introduction into modern yeah. cannonball. Yeah, yeah. And then, I'm ashamed to admit, I don't think I watched the cannonball run movie until like three years ago because people kept quoting stuff yeah, yeah, from yeah. it yeah i was like what are you what are you quoting yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like i have to go watch this or else i'm gonna make a complete fool of myself see it and now, now you're making me feel old because i remember watching <laughs> you are the old. original <laughs> I, am, I, I don't feel you old, have but, grandkids uh, yeah I've, I've, i'm figuring out very quickly that i am <laughs> <laughs> after the musket ball recently i feel even older <laughs> every time i do this right okay so um for some of you watching, our last episode was live from California at the Portofino Hotel, which is the traditional finish line of the original Cannonball Run and what we use now as well as the finish line for our runs. And we did a musket ball, which was limited to 100 horsepower at the wheels. We all met in Darien, Connecticut and had to dyno our cars. And if we were over 100 horsepower, we had a uh, insignificant penalty. Well, some depends. extra weight. <laughs> there was some maybe a live yeah. lobster had yeah. to do a puzzle yeah, yeah. overnight, things yeah, like yeah. that. So, uh, Steve was well within the rules of 100 horsepower. Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you take on this run? <laughs> on that run, I, I bought a 1997 Saturn SL2. So, it's the yes. basic four door plastic racer. Oh, yeah. That dent resistant panels <laughs> from our top scientist. Yep. Um, so yeah, that that was it, was actually a fun car. Um, the problem was uh, with it, it doesn't have overdrive because it's an automatic. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I had picked it because so it had a cruise control. Four speed? Yeah, it's a four speed automatic oh, in those cars. And so, you know, it's like any other competitive event. You know, I'm thinking I've solved the puzzle. I've figured this out. The Saturns, you know, they're, they're, you can't kill them. So I'm like, this, this thing can really make it. And then, of course, when I see what everyone else brought, the Saturn was way, <laughs> you know, undermatched compared sure. to these other cars. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us, we got to talk to you for like four and a quarter minutes, which is about <laughs> yeah. the time that takes Arnie and I to fill up 60 gallons of fuel. <laughs> yeah. We got to talk to you briefly about your experience on the musket ball mm -hmm. and of course the most notable experience being your time airborne tell us a little more about your yeah. experience yeah there. that that was really unexpected as any airborne <laughs> incident with the vehicle <laughs> is but um so the the quirky thing is uh that it's it's this glorious shade of 1990s kind of tealish seafoam green mm -hmm. car and so uh, for our team name for John Ficarra, uh, it was called the Flying Pistachio. So that was the solo <laughs> team name for this car. Little did I know it would become accurate. And so <laughs> we're, we're going across the U.S. Um, I get to Oklahoma, and I've got to make a fuel stop. And we're on the tollway, and there's those Oasis you know, gas mm -hmm. stations like we've got up here uh, in Chicago and on the turnpike here. And so it was kind of an unexpected fuel stop because I, I, I was chasing um, some guys in a, a, a TDI Jetta and uh, it was actually Wesley who I chased in the uh, the Southern Classic and so I just had the Saturn pegged across the tollway in the middle of the night. So, so this is and not a leisurely drive. 
No, it was it was spirited, you spirited. Know, within the confines of a 1997 right. Saturn <laughs> automatic. But if you get ahead of him, you gain a position. Yes, it is racing yes. on public it, highways, it, allegedly. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> okay, yes. You know, it is a a, a competition yep. to see who can get there first. And so, you know, the the little car ran like a train, and but of course, I just had it pegged uh, across. Uh, that part of the country. So I was, I was burning gas faster than I expected. And that car with a, it had a a 20 gallon cell in the trunk. So I could refuel it by myself in less than five minutes. And so it was like, no big deal. I've just got to make a fifth stop. You know, I'll just, I'll just take care of that here in Oklahoma. Got to make an unexpected stop and Mm -hmm. see the sign for the, uh, the Oasis start to pull off. It was one of those left-hand exits and pitch black you know, where the exit is, but you could see the bright white lights of the gas station in the the middle of the turnpike. And so I get off the the exit and I've actually had to go back onto Google maps and look at this to understand what really happened. And it it makes sense if you look uh, at that uh, satellite view of the, uh, the Oasis. And so basically I come off on the left exit, I overshoot the car entrance, you know, because I just didn't see it. And so I end up on the truck side of this, uh, of this uh, gas station. And, but I know I've got to get you know, further in to, to, of course, get to the gas. And so there's this line of like 40 trucks that I've got to go past and then figure out how to weave around. And I wasn't going unreasonably fast. I was going faster than you normally would in a parking sure. lot because it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm just trying to scoot through and, and uh, make a quick pit stop. So I get past There's no this speed room. limits on off No, yeah, yeah, I didn't, you know, it wasn't posted. Right. So make it past this row of trucks. I get to the last trailer that I can see. Um, it's a flatbed, so I can see that there's no buildings or anything in front of it. And I just whip the wheel to the left. And unbeknownst to me, there's this concrete <laughs> island that's there to separate traffic out of the the truck area. And just instantaneously, just this loud bang. And things started to float up in the car from the seats. Things start flying through the air. I knew that the front wheels had come off the ground because it was kind of a full moon that night. And all of a sudden, the moon is in the windshield. It's not supposed to be there, right? The moon was above me in Texas. And so, pow, the car just comes up. I feel the front wheels come off. Gatorade bottles and whatnot are flying around in the the cabin. Hopefully, you had your cap on your pee bottle, right? Uh, Yeah, no, there was no risk of that. I was good. I was good. And so... You know, it kind of makes this pop, goes up in the air. Then I feel the front wheel slam down. And then almost instantaneously, I had cleared the concrete island. And so the front wheels drop off and I just hear the frame drag across the island. And then right after that, I went right to the gas pumps where I was supposed to go. And just so, sliding in, like just kind of slide in, Dale and stuff. yeah, there it is. And so I kind of popped out, did a little ta-da, and <laughs> luckily there was no one around. Like I said, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I planned that. Yeah, yeah, completely went as planned. And so I hop out, and the you know the car didn't shut off, so you know the engine was still running. Shut the car off, pop the trunk, dump fuel in it, pop the hood, looked in the engine bay, checked the oil. Um, everything in the engine bay was where it was supposed to be. And I walked around the car. None of the tires were flat. I think what really saved the front end of the car is because it was four speed, I ran taller tires to lower Mm -hmm. the RPMs uh, on the highway. 
So I think that's what saved the front bumper because now look, the front bumper's there. Everything's fine. I just did kind of a quick glance under the car. I didn't see anything hanging off the bottom of it. So finish the fuel stop, start the car. It starts back up. The headlights come back on, start to ease out of the parking lot, turn the steering wheel. There's no noises. Nothing's grinding. Get onto the entrance ramp, actually take my hands off the steering wheel and the car's tracking straight. So somehow a miracle in my mind has happened that, you know, I didn't completely trash the car in Oklahoma. So then I take off uh, back onto the interstate and run about another 800 miles. And that's when I got to Kingman, Arizona. And what I didn't know had happened to the car is uh, if you're familiar with the Saturns at all, they have that uh, front stabilizer bar that goes around the front, it bolts to the frame and then actually goes, uh, into the control arms with some bushings. I had sheared the bolts off <laughs> of that's, the, that's the stabilizer a good, bar. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually cracked the, uh, threaded end where it goes into the, the control arm. Well, as w- some kind of miracle, I ran 800 miles further at the top end of a 97 Saturn's performance. Which is like 80 uh, miles an hour. Yeah, you know, downhill. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty quick. And uh, cross Flagstaff and uh, end up for making a last fuel stop in Kingman, Arizona. Stopped, same thing, fueled the car, checked it out. Got back into uh, traffic on the interstate, brushed the brakes, and everything broke loose on the driver's side. Finally, the, the control arm had, had just, uh, the control bar had just, or the stabilizer bar had just snapped. And, and everything came apart and the car just, um, just was not drivable, you know, as I got to the second Kingman exit and I pulled it off and had to figure out what I was going to do from there. So what did you do? (laughs) So, because in Cannonball, you can never give up. No, that's right. That's right. So it was like five o'clock in the afternoon and things are just starting to shut down. And so the first thing I did is, is got on my phone found a repair shop because I knew the car wasn't going to get fixed today. Like mm-hmm. I could see the parts hanging off the bottom. I'm like, that's not going to be a roadside fix. So I found unless a you're Bradley. Yeah. Right. <laughs> unless you're Bradley who can absolutely take care of that. But, um, found a repair shop. Uh, guy said, yeah, I'll take a look at it tomorrow. Um, found a tow truck, uh, got him coming. Um, then I knew I needed to get to LA because, you know, we're five hours out of LA now. And, and I knew that we were going to have some events and some, you know, celebrations, but I knew the car wasn't going to make it that day, mm-hmm. honestly, or tomorrow. So got the tow truck coming, got the car, uh, sent over to the shop. And then, uh, I, I was looking for a rental car. So enterprise was the only thing listed in town, called them. Guy says, look, I don't have any cars you know, we're getting ready to close. So I asked him, does anybody rent a car in this town? And he goes, well, yeah, there's this, you know, used car lot. It's kind of like this buy here, pay here place. And he said, you know, she'll rent cars sometimes. You can give her a call. And so I'll pull it up they on Google. They will do anything. Yeah. I think they would dollars. actually transact in any way you wanted to. And so. Well, the, the, probably your rental, how long did you have the car? Two days? Two days. So yeah. that's probably, a, you know. About as long as some of their average customers, you know, <laughs> probably before they get repoed, probably before some of the sales <laughs> come back. Um, so luckily they, they were open until six and this, this lovely young lady answers the phone, tell her my situation. I was like, look, I have to get to Los Angeles tonight. Can you help me? And she goes, sure. I'll rent you a car. Now we didn't specify what car was going to be rented. She just said, I will get you a car to Los Angeles. So I catch a cab, takes me to this lot, you know, 
show up and she's pulling up like a rental contract on word, show her a picture of my insurance card on my phone. And, uh, she goes, yep, got a car for you. She mentioned the price. I think it was like, you know, a hundred, a hundred and some change a day. I didn't care at that point. It was sure. like, just get me into car. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. at this point we're still racing. We're, we're still what like, people need to understand. Yeah. Even if you break. Yeah. It, the race is not over because that's right. Especially in a hundred horsepower race, yeah. a lot of other people have broken. So you, you want to be the first of the broken. Yes. People. Yes. Like I, and, and we're, if we're carrying apps that are showing us all the dots going across the country. And yeah. I, even though I had no chance of winning, I was a solid mid pack car mm-hmm. at this point. So you, to your point, like I've got, I've got to go. Yeah. The first and, of um, the losers. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, she kind of, we get this contract settled out and she slides these keys over and it's a, a Nissan Altima, and, which I saw Do, Nissan. Okay. I thought, that's okay. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I got to stop you. I didn't think of this earlier, but somebody sent me, this is going to be totally lost yeah. because unless you see the montage, it doesn't make a difference. But somebody sent me like two days ago this Instagram montage of Nissan Altimas and all the things you can do in Nissan Altimas. And it was all these crazy police chases and like car wrecks where people wrecked in an Altima and then just kept driving. And it was just saying like how amazing the Nissan Altima was in this incredibly weird ghetto way because (laughs) there's all these police chases where they get out of, you know, you got three Tahoes surrounding them and the Altima just... I, goes I, right through. So it's funny that you uh, contributed. I promise to that. you, this Altima had been in one of those videos. <laughs> this, this 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 car had been chased by the police at some point, and um, which again, I was you know thankful for whatever I could get. But you know, I get in it, and the seats are all kind of jacked up, and you know, it's got ninety seven thousand miles on it. Really bad vibration in the front. Kind of smell smells like hot pockets and regret on the inside. You know, there's some stains. Going on inside, it it had no gas in it, and you know Monica so Lewinsky it, yeah, was in the car. It was it the car had a story that I was oh, not gosh. interested in uh, on that night, and so take off, uh, get going, and uh, make it to Los Angeles um, about ten thirty that evening, and and I think I think I came in only about like ten minutes or so before you guys did. Well, that's so I'm looking at my notes and it says that you finished in 39 hours and 37 mm-hmm. minutes, which yeah. I think was our, I thought that was our exact time. I don't remember because it wasn't first. So it becomes a blur, mm-hmm. but I remember pulling in, taking a picture and maybe we didn't notice a dilapidated Nissan Altima flying in behind you us. Probably or wouldn't but notice it. it was I not. think we finished at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, I think I, because I got in, we took pictures and I parked the car cause security came over and wanted yep. us to move it. And I parked it when I walked back to the guard shack and the sign you guys were coming in. So it was interesting minutes. And actually, because we didn't really post official times, I, I had to find a calculator on the internet to figure right. out start time for that. So, but it, I, I got, I think right it's interesting just did. because like we all started in Connecticut at the mm-hmm. same time. We did a Lamar yeah. style start, which was the dumbest and most amazing thing <laughs> ever. Yeah. 25 people running to their turds yeah. and then peeling out of there. Yeah. The the worst driving we ever did was in the first quarter of a mile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 2,800 miles later, breakdowns, rental cars, all yeah. this drama, you know, we were broken down for eight hours and we finished within minutes of each other. Yeah, I think that's super cool. But but I'll tell you the thing. I mean, it shows how strong of a car that you guys had because I, I calculate I lost two and a half to three hours mm-hmm. of downtime and then just came in just ahead of you. I mean, so you guys had a pretty powerful run 
going, you know, yeah. if you hadn't had mechanical Yeah, we trouble. were down seven, eight hours. But yeah, yeah it's, that's the cool thing about cannonballing because yeah. if the delays hadn't happened to the lead, I mean, there some guys went northern route, some guys went southern route. If the big delays hadn't happened, it would have been a photo finish. Like we would have all came together in Barstow oh, yeah. and there would have been yeah. like four people racing for yeah. the photo finish. Yeah, absolutely. So. And and I'll tell you the coolest thing about it and, and about that community I remember when I, I, I kind of decided, okay, I can't fix the car on the uh, side of the road. I sent a message in that app that we were using, you know, just said, look, I'm down, you know, because yep. people would see the dots not moving. And immediately, you know, there was responses from other teams. And, and it, again, immediately, Jared Pink and the, the short bus team, they, they were kind of collecting people as needed <laughs> that were down. It was immediate. Do you need a ride? Where are you? We will come get you. Do you need help? And these people were carrying tools and, and ready to do whatever. Yep. And that's actually, you know, we talk a lot about competition and, and it's a race. But, you know, it was just that community of people that were ready to help. Yes. at a moment's notice yeah. you know it was really spirit a, of cannibal yeah across the country journey yep. and we were all there to help each other unless you're in first then you ain't stopping then, anyway. yeah yeah you're on your own yeah. all right we're gonna go to the calls uh john from california hi john i think you are on john are you there maybe 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 i don't think he is technical difficulties here okay Maybe he's out on a cannonball. He might be. We're going to return him back to the queue, and maybe Ethan can sort that out in the production room. But uh, So we talked about the musket ball, but what you are best known for is your username. Yeah. yeah cannonball yeah, yeah. GMC. Yeah. Tell us about the truck. So, yeah. So, I mean, back to... You know, the what originally got me into to turning you know fandom into something real uh, was use of the the pickup truck, which was uh, and still is my daily driver. It's a 2014 GMC Sierra, and I remember watching uh, David Simpson's uh, mm-hmm. Ben Wiki video where yep. he had done the uh, what we call the the transcontinental run, right, or uh, the old Southern route, right. And so this is Jacksonville, Florida to yes. San Diego, California. Yeah. So it's the shortest route. Yes. Uh, Atlantic to Pacific is non-traditional cannonball yeah. run, but we, we just refer to it as the Southern trail. Yeah, that's yep. right. And, and so what was interesting was, you know, David was talking about his solo record and, you know, one of the things that really resonated, you know, was David talked about, look, you know, for the times that Ed or for that you guys were setting for New York to LA, you know, he just didn't have the risk you know, appetite for that. And that resonated with me like, yeah, that, I'm not ready to try to do that. Sure. But this was super interesting. And and the way I describe it to people is it just became bar talk that goes out of control because you'll read <laughs> comments in the videos. Somebody should do it with a truck, with a giant tank. And, you know, you could you wouldn't lose as much time on refueling. And so it was just bar talk, talking to your friends like, oh, yeah, you know, I wonder if you did it with a pickup truck and you just built a giant gas tank to do it. And where it got out of control was I just started asking questions that nobody said no to. And so you kind of start with some cocktail and napkin math. And, and I'd figured that teams lose 30 to 40 minutes on refueling. Well, if I could take that off the table, would this GMC truck mechanically be able to run at the speeds to set a time close to what David did? Well, the answer was yes. 
you know, because at the time, David's time was fairly reasonable, you know, for production cars. Sure. You know, you didn't need to have a lot of high horsepower to do it. Um, and David had done it in his uh, Terlingua cloned Mustang. And mm-hmm. it was a stout time to, to run it by What yourself. was his transcontinental time? I did 27.13. He would have been, I think I, I beat him by like f- maybe 40 minutes. Okay. Like it wasn't significant. I didn't blow that time out of water. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, didn't yeah. blow that time out yeah. of the water. Yeah. And, and that's... 2360 miles yeah um again that's the southern trail not the new york to la run so yeah yeah yep and and so you know it just kind of started to get a little bit out of control because i would just keep asking questions um you know well i I went to a friend of mine steve peterson who's a, a gm master technician and and really asked him you know steve can can this truck at full payload weight run triple digits for 27 hours. And he goes, yeah, you know, from an engineering perspective, the truck can. So he didn't say no, you know, that the truck just physically couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of cocktail napkin math out for um, what the fuel capacity should look like. And you guys picking me up? I don't, can you, okay. Mm -hmm. So what does the fuel capacity look like? And it really became, you know, 200 gallons was the bogey. And so there's a, a fabrication shop close to where I live. I showed up one afternoon after work and said, hey, I got a question for you. Can you build a T-shaped tank that will fit in the back of this truck that can hold at least 200 gallons? The guy comes out and goes, yeah, I can do that. I was like, yeah, yeah but, you know, it's got to be fully baffled. I need it to hold this fuel. I need to have a, a transfer pump system. The guy goes, yeah. So he didn't say no. And then finally I get to my wife and say, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Kind of laid out the plan. And she didn't say no. Next thing I know, uh, I'm, I'm talking to uh, David Simpson, who I reached out to on Facebook, who was just incredibly generous with his time because I'm just some guy calling and saying, hey, I'd like to go beat your your Southern Trail record. And he was very open, you know, spent time with me on the phone, kind of coached me through it, um, had a very serious conversation about the consequences and what it means to, mm-hmm. to do this. And I took all of that on board. And next thing I know, uh, I'm backed up to a sand dune in Florida with a bunch of timers. And, and actually you and, and, and Arnie and David and a couple of other people were watching me you know, on, uh, on the GPS feed and validating my time and went forward with the truck and 27 hours and 13 minutes later, I was in San Diego at the Pacific ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And that run didn't go without issues. I mean, you intended yeah. to do it nonstop. You had some fueling issues, yeah. things like that. So you did have to stop for fuel. I, I did. Yeah. That seems the, to be the thing that plagues every cannonball yeah, is fuel yeah. issues and, and, and venting issues are, yeah. are always the big deal. And when you're now running 220 gallons, you know, you need a pretty big vent. If you, if you see pictures of the tank and the truck today, you know, there's a giant vent line coming mm-hmm. off the back that, you know, pigtails out. And so I did, I had trouble. And so, you know, really, I think it was in Alabama. I figured out the fuel pump wasn't working. It was cavitating. You know, right. I was, I was, I was pulling the vacuum. And so I actually ended up having to stop like six times and just throw fuel in the truck, in the factory tank. And then out of nowhere, you know, the, the, the auxiliary pump would come on and I could transfer fuel, but I actually, you know, kind of worked through that venting problem and set a good time with the truck. Right. And that, that was the first run that I did with the truck. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, that segues me uh, quite well into one of the questions we got. It's actually the Switch Cars question of the day. Time for a commercial. Uh, Switch Cars question of the day is brought to you by Switch Cars and specifically our merchandise store, which is shopswitchcars.com. You can go there, enter the code SWITCHCAST and get 10% off your awesome t-shirt order if you want to that's a great Christmas present. Keep your woman but switch cars. Tell your wife how much you love her. Uh, wives, tell your husband how much you <clears throat> approve of his <laughs> car habits. Anyway, our switch cars question of the day is from Ace, and he wins a free T-shirt of his choice. What sort of crazy looks did you get from the welding company when you went in and asked him about <laughs> the fuel tank and... Did you tell them what you were planning to do with it? So it was kind of strange because it was almost like a an episode of Breaking Bad. You know how there's these cast of characters that can just get things taken care of, if you're familiar with that, that yep. show at all. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a similar experience to where I almost actually had to break down and tell them because I didn't think they understood what I was looking for. But they absolutely did. It, it would just be, like I said, can you build a tank that will hold 200 gallons and stay under the bed cover of this truck. And it's like, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, everything was yes, yes, yes. And finally they were showing me a couple of proofs of some design and they were welding some pieces together. And in the original build before I changed fuel pumps, uh, there was a lift tube in the tank and, and he was showing me how he was going to set the lift tube and it probably left about an inch on the bottom. And then I, I broke it down to him. I said, no, I need that to go all the way to the bottom. And he says, well, you know, you're, you're just taking long trips with this. And I was like, no, I need every drop of gas out of the back of this tank because I'm actually running an event. And he goes, like a cannonball? <laughs> and I said, yes. As a matter of fact, I am. What was interesting is it was on. Then he's oh, waving sure. people over. He's like, "Oh no, we got to change a bunch of stuff yeah. on this. So we got to." As soon as you mention cannonball, tank. prices go down. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. wants to. Come, yeah, and then they in. got completely into it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yep, come back in a week. We're gonna yep. make some adjustments on this." And th- they were just super cool. Yep, to work with. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, thank you, Ace, for that question. We're gonna we're gonna try the. Uh, the 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 calls again here we're having a little bit of technical difficulty this is the fun of a live show but uh we're gonna turn the volume up here uh john are you on with us the audio is working but we cannot hear the callers this is very odd well i apologize about that i guess we'll just have to stick with the uh the calls that come in via text or sorry the questions that come in via text but uh Maybe we'll get that figured out over the course of the show. So in the uh, the pickup truck record, so you set the transcontinental record mm-hmm. and you've been pursuing the nonstop cannonball record yep. and the pickup truck record. So so really I was pursuing the uh, the the pickup truck record, okay. which is the the pub the most um, or the the claimed time for pickup trucks is still the 1979 time yes. from a uh, Dennis mad, mad dog. Manazzini. Yes. Yep. Um, and in a 454 dually 54 and, and it's mirrored in the film. Yep. In the, in, and so yep. this is the one um, where they come out of uh, the good wives and they run over, you know, the uh, run through the woods and get out to the yep. interstate a lot quicker. Yep. And so that was actually, you know, what I was going for. 
And so the true nonstop thing wasn't actually something I, I was necessarily pursuing. It was making the truck competitive by taking zero miles per right. hour off the table. Okay. So your yeah. goal wasn't nonstop. That was yeah. a means to an end of yeah. breaking yeah. the pickup truck yeah, record. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So that that record has stood since 1979. And, yeah. In the final Cannonball race. Yeah. Uh, Dennis's antics, as portrayed in the movie, were probably as legitimate in real life, yes. if not more so, that's than, my than the crap that happened in the movie. Yeah. So you're obviously a little bit more conservative than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that conservatism, or I guess a string of bad luck, has cost you, what are you, seven <laughs> minutes uh, away? 11. I'm 11, 11 minutes, minutes away. away. Yeah. But how many yeah. delays have you had? How many attempts have you had at that record? How many delays? And I, I've, ha- I've had two, and two attempts. Okay. So the, the first one is, again, you, you were on the validation team for, for that run. So you were watching me make that. That run was great in the sense of the truck performed like it was supposed to. That was a true nonstop run. I put my seatbelt on at the Red Ball Garage. I took it off at the Portofino. And and it was brutal to do that. But Mm -hmm. the the truck ran nonstop. Where I had trouble, um, it's... You'll hear cannonballers talk about this all the time. You know, it's it's the luck or the hand that you draw. Mm-hmm. Once you leave the starting line, you just can't control. And as soon as I left, um, started to leave Manhattan, there was a crash in the tunnel. And so I re- had to reroute to the southern tunnel. Because what is it? It's the Lincoln yep. we go through. Yep. And then the tunnel to the south is whatever it is. Jackson. Yeah, something. But that cost me about 15 minutes because I had to weave on a Saturday night, you know, through Manhattan uh, to get out the next tunnel. And so got going. Um, There was a tropical storm that had come up that fall and pushed fog into the Ohio Valley. So hammered through fog all the way through Ohio. Uh, That kind of slowed me down some. And then when I got on the west side of St. Louis, I think I was on Interstate 44. It's Sunday morning, the sun's coming up, and then all of a sudden traffic just stops. And they're hanging a power line across the interstate. And I actually texted you when that happened and took a picture just to to help with some validation. Like, hey, I'm stopped, but I'm still in the truck and there's a power line being hung. So that was kind of a weird thing. That happened. And then when I got out into New Mexico, Arizona, there was a red flag warning. And so that meant there was like 50, 60 mile an hour winds. Well, for me, they were a headwind. The wind was coming out of the West. And so I'm in this aerodynamic brick of a vehicle now taking on a 50 mile an hour headwind. And, you know, then you get kind of the sandstorms mm-hmm. and tumbleweeds blowing everywhere. So I had to slug through that. Um, but with, even with all that, those things that happened, I'd still come up 11 minutes short. So I find it that it was a respectable run for the truck. And, mm-hmm. but it gave me confidence that the truck could perform and that it could beat that time. And so then I took another swing at it, um, that would have been actually spring of this year. And so that becomes a fairly short story. The, the truck at this time, because between um, the second attempt and the first, I actually ran the truck in the Southern Classic. So Taylor Hall's event, uh, which is the Smoking the Bandit 
yep. uh, route, yep. right? You go back yep. and forth. And uh, so that truck actually set the solo time for that route at 15 hours dead even. Um, so I was really pleased with this. So now the truck has got, you know, really three competitive runs under its belt. Now I'm ready to go for the 11 minutes that I left on the table. And so this spring uh, started to make a run. I got into Ohio, um, got a ticket <laughs> on the turnpike. Uh, so I caught a 90 and a 70 uh, there. I was very fortunate because as an out-of-state resident, uh, the trooper was very nice and explained, look, this isn't going to go on your record. It's not going to show up you know, for your insurance. Just pay the fine. It's like perfect. Well, I lost like 17 minutes uh, with him. And after that, I knew the truck was having problems, but it had basically had a catalytic conver converter clog up. And so that truck, top speed on that truck is around 128. And it's turning close to 4,000 RPMs to do that. And what I noticed was happening is when I would top out the RPMs, it would just start to hesitate, fall over. Normal things that now you know are part of a catalytic converter failure. But the RPM window just kept dropping and dropping and dropping to where finally at, you know, less than 3,000 RPMs, the truck was falling over. Mm. So when I got to Chicago, kind of made a left on to Interstate 55 and, and called it quits uh, for that run. But so, so the truck has uh, made... Uh, those three events, but really four attempts. Gotcha. So you called it quits, but didn't you then take a ride with your wife to the Portofino? We did. That, that was actually a blast because, um, it, and it kind of happened with the uh, the Saturn as well. It's that never say die, you know, right. attitude. So my wife was going to fly to Los Angeles to meet me there, and then we were going to take a driving holiday back to the Midwest. So it's like. I don't know, maybe two o'clock in the morning, the, the truck's limping along. I, I call my wife and of course she panics, like what's going on? I'm like, it's going to be okay. Trucks just got to come home, but get your stuff together. We're taking your Acura <laughs> and we're finishing this cannonball and we're going to finish the Southern route and that we're going, you know, to finish our vacation. So we actually did that and it was, it was a blast, you know, That's awesome. it was just a great, spent a whole week seeing the country, you know, with your spouse. So would you ever do a cannonball with her, or I guess a better question is, would she ever do a cannonball with you, or is there a reason you fly solo? It, really, the solo is, 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 this, is for so. no reason um, at all, um, outside of the time that I was trying to go for. I would love to do a cannonball um, with my wife. We had actually talked about it for the musketball event. Mm -hmm. The problem is, you know, you you pick, I, I, I'm, I love these uh, terrible cars, uh, participating in cannonballs, you know, like GMC pickup truck and cannonball should not exist in the same sentence, you know, and the musket ball was a great example. A Saturn should not be in a cannonball. So choosing these terrible, you know, choices to do a cannonball in, I, I just don't know that my wife could survive or the suffering that right. she would have to go through is the reason why, because we had talked about it for the musket ball and I thought it would have been a blast. Yeah. I, I just, it, it, I think it would have crippled her because it almost crippled me and I'd done it three times before. So that was really the reason uh, she didn't go. So I, we, I mean, we could have a whole event that, you know, that's the rule that yeah. you have to bring along your wife or spouse or whatever. That would be interesting for some people. Yeah. To, to you see. know what you would call it? The cannonball and chain. Oh, man. <laughs> Whew, it's taking yeah. way too long to, to get one go. of those. But anyway, yeah, I'm the idiot that, that told uh, 
Ed if I won that Lamborghini that I do a cannonball. You did. I think that's with brilliant. Aaron. Yeah. And then he informed me that the car does not have an operating top or heat. Uh, so does the deal still stand? I mean, that's... I, I don't know. I, I mean, I have to win it first. Yeah. And there's a lot of other really great ideas. So somebody has to hate my marriage enough to vote, <laughs> or enough people have to hate our marriage enough to vote for us to win. Yeah. Uh, that I actually get to buy the Lambo, and then we have to do the do the um, the the thingamajigger, <laughs> gotcha. the, the run across country. Anyway, uh, we're going to go to a commercial, which means we're going to stay right here for a commercial, and then we have a live in-studio question. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience, kind of like our switchcast here if you're looking to live stream your podcast church service car show sporting event wedding or even your cannonball attempt which i don't recommend legally boxcast is an easy flexible live streaming platform for organizations boxcast is so easy we are broadcasting this show with our phone head over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial we have an in-studio question from Mark. Mark, step up to the microphone. What do you got for us? Why, hello, Steve. Welcome yeah. to the fraternity of lunatics. Thank you. Like a lot of us are in. My question is, which is a common cannonball question, how long were you stopped at the uh, California Produce <laughs> Checkpoint, and how long did it take for you to fuel, put fuel in your own fuel tank? So I, the, first, the second part is I got really lucky because for the truck, I only have to fuel it once. And, and that's before I leave. So, you know, the honest answer for it is about 20 minutes for me to fuel my own uh, fuel cell for the truck. And you wouldn't believe the, the looks you get at the gas station when you're sitting there doing that. And I got to be honest with you, every time I've gone through the, the um, ag checkpoint in California, I just got waved through. So, yeah, no, no issues for me in that area. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got a couple questions on the the live feed here. Um, oh man, shoot! What is the female driver record for cannonballing? I actually think it's twenty five hours and fifty five minutes. I'm pretty sure Fred was identifying as a woman that oh, day. Oh, he may he may have. Um, I, I actually do get canceled know for, for that. the for the uh, Southern Trail. Uh, for the transcontinental run, it, yep. it's actually a uh, chalet. Yep. Uh, chalet Davis. Davis. Yeah. Cause she actually coached me on, yep. on my run. Yep. Uh, Cause she had completed it as I was prepping for mine. So I know there is definitely a ladies. Um, yeah. I don't uh, remember the time. Was it high twenties, 30 ish? I, I don't either. It was, it was a, it, it was a pretty, it, it was a pretty tough run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, but she, she, she completed ran into it a lot and of, did an awesome job with it. A lot of roadblocks, uh, psychologically. Um, are there, so there was the right bra racing team. Yeah. That was the ladies team back in the, was it the 75 or the 79 cannonball? I think um, it was 75. And have there been any other ladies teams or ladies runs? That were one hundred percent ladies. I, I'm not aware. I, I'm right. By no There's means been a bunch of husband and wife, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. events. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's a that's an open door for somebody to, to I, I go do. I think that would be a fantastic opportunity yeah. for a team to to be put together and take a run at that. Yeah, absolutely. Or solo, for yeah. sure. Um, outside of ground control to Major Tom, what was your favorite musket ball moment? That must be a... Well, yeah, ground control to Major Tom. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, there's actually uh, within the the group and some of our chats, there the memes have started uh, based off of the moon com- comment. And, um, you know, now there's astronaut memes and how does a Saturn go to the moon and, and different things like that. Um, but I, I will answer that, though. The favorite part um, was actually picking the Saturn back up on um, Friday. Uh, gotten the car repaired and then finishing the run to the Portofino. Man, you were one dedicated son of a gun. Well, it's you felt like, and you know how it is when you you build these cars, even if they're terrible examples of a cannonball car. Like it's you know she was built to do that, and she she's going right. to see it through. And so that was actually my favorite moment. But you didn't you didn't beat Bradley's record. I did so what, not. What was the I time for the car? So you finished in thirty nine thirty seven with yeah. your rental car. Uh, 89 87 11 I asked you a question I already know the answer so Bradley Young's time in the Shrek Mobile was 103 hours that stands as the longest timed cannonball yes that that is that is commitment you had to to Bradley have that that record yeah I was glad it it, it wasn't that bad but um yeah it was it was a good feeling to get the car across the line and and then really the 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 best part was some people that had, had hung around um for Friday evening, you know, we're there at the finish line. Um, Fred, uh, some of the other folks um, uh, that were laying over, there was probably about six people there clapping, nice. you know, yeah. to, almost two days after it's over and, you know, here you come. And so it just speaks to the community. Yep, for sure. Speaking of terrible cars that we've built to complete cannonballs, uh, Ultra Beige, the 1977 Monte Carlo Pro Touring Resto Mod, uh, conglomeration is up on bring a trailer right now represented by Fakara classics who has sorted it out and uh i guess gotten rid of our our fuel venting issues and definitely gotten rid of the transmission issues uh so that car which is a little bit famous in its own right also sort of nicknamed the the flying dildo uh partially because of its color also partially because of its shape that is up on Bring a Trailer, closing tomorrow, included in that sales, a couple of autographed cannonball signs, some memorabilia, and you should go check it out if you're interested. It's a cool uh, opportunity to own a piece of modern I, cannonball history. I love that car. I, I saw that uh, last year uh, at the event that you held here, and mm-hmm. I, I think that car is just fantastic. It's It was the proving ground for me to learn how to do a fast cannonball. Yeah. And it it disappointed me in a lot of ways, but it also proved a lot of things. And when it did cannonball well, it did it really well. Mm. And nothing can touch it, which is impressive given that a 77 Monte Carlo is another flying brick. It shouldn't yeah. do cannonball. That's it's right. heavy. It doesn't handle well. And we made it to be awesome. Yeah. And it worked. So um, you used to be a cop. How do you reconcile going from enforcing the law as a profession to breaking the law as a hobby? You know, I mean, it's the thing is, there's not a lot of moral high ground, you know, for this, right? <laughs> to to stand on like, oh, well, here's why it's okay for me to do it. 
Um, I, I think the transition for me, I, I, I will say is, you know, with, with some, you know, training, uh, like police officers get for high speed driving, you know, I, I'd, I'd come from a racing background as well. I, I felt like I, I was a, a capable and competent enough driver to do this safely. Um, and, and I think a lot of people don't talk about this, but when I talked to David Simpson the first time, you know, the first 10 minutes was a lecture on this is how important it is that you, you have to be safe. You've got to, you know, you're going to tarnish our, you know, reputations yes. and our legacy if, if something goes wrong. Now, granted, that does not let you off the hook for, you know, anything that could go wrong. You're personally responsible for this. But I think that reconciliation is honestly that black and white view of the law. And, and when I have gotten tickets in these events that have fortunately been sorted out without any, you know, serious outcome, it basically gets down to the, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. And that's the deal. There's no yeah. excuse. You know, every time I've gotten pulled over, which was only twice, I got pulled over in Louisiana uh, for the Southern Classic and then the the Ohio ticket. I was incredibly polite. Um, the, the, the thing is, people forget, police officers get lied to every day. And, you know, and people unleash and give them grief and these emotional outbursts. I and pay they blame your them. taxes. Yeah, I pay all that. So, yeah. like, the first thing is, you know, Show the officer some respect. They're doing their job. I was speeding. And you can get a fair amount of mileage out of that of just being respectful. What mm-hmm. I had done was broken the law. This is now the consequence of that. And so, you know, for me, it's, you know, just kind of working through it, showing the officer some respect. And then, you know, I, I didn't get asked a lot of questions. I, I didn't get, you know, any kind of probing or investigation. What's all this stuff in the cab? You know, it was just really polite. And I remember the uh, Ohio trooper, um, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, thank you for being polite. You know, I, I catch a lot of grief, you know, you know, yeah. normally during the shift. And, and the comment I made, because I've been out of it too long to get any traction, with the current officer. I don't, sure. I don't have any credibility, you know, to play. And, that and I was going to ask that, like, did, yeah, I think people always want to know, well, you used to be a cop. Does that give you yeah. a free pass? No, it really doesn't. And, and so when that trooper was finishing up and said, you know, Hey, thank you for being polite and cooperative. My response was, look, I've stood on, you know, your side of this door. I completely understand. And you could see the light bulb kind of go off like, and, and my, again, you know, my response was, look, man, you know, I was, I was speeding. You play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. You did your job. I completely respect that. And you go on about your day. Yeah. 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 And his job is to write you the ticket. And yeah, that's right. You can sort it out later yeah, yeah, and whatever. You sort but, all that yeah. stuff out. I, I actually, for the Louisiana uh, deal off the record was fantastic mm-hmm. uh, to work with. And I got that sorted out on that end. Um, but yeah, that, that's the deal. They're doing their job, you know, and, and you would almost say we're doing our job. Right. But it's the, that's how this works. There's yeah. no excuses. There's no workarounds to it. Right. Were you, when you were a cop, were you a better cop than officer Rod Farva? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was definitely, um, less, uh, motivated <laughs> than Farva <laughs> was. How do you be less motivated? I was, I was <laughs> not great at it. Um, to be honest <laughs> with you, um, you know, it definitely was a fantastic experience. I'm very glad that I did it. But like I would, 
you know, I was not great at traffic enforcement. I didn't have the heart for it. Like I was given warnings, like, Hey man, just slow down. You know, I, I always told this great story. Um, my dad was an over the road truck driver. And so whenever where I worked was in Virginia and radar detectors are illegal. And so whenever truckers would kind of get caught with radar detectors, I never had the heart to say anything or do anything. Cause I remember how hard my dad worked to save money to buy a radar. Cause this would have been back in the eighties and how expensive they were. And so, you know, the answer becomes, I wasn't really great at it because I just let too many people off. Maybe that made you better. Yeah. Yeah, You know, tickets, tickets don't make a good cop. (laughs) No, that's true. So speaking of Farva, my favorite video of yours on TikTok, (laughs) and it says a lot that I think I registered for TikTok just so I could watch that video, um, is the free hot dog with a (laughs) 200-gallon purchase video, which to me is a super trooper's nod. It it is. It absolutely empties the the gas into the the garbage can. Um, But speaking of that, I've noticed something that's being become increasingly annoying lately, which is the, the dollar cap on filling up your pumps and usually yeah. it's 75 bucks i was at a pump recently that was 50 bucks which is yeah, like yeah. you can't even fill your prius for 50 bucks anymore so how many transactions do you have to do to fill 220 gallons or do you have a station nearby that doesn't have a dollar limit or they just it's know a, oh steve's coming so. it's a mix and I've, I've had different experiences with it so like for a competitive event um i run a shell 93 octane uh, for the truck. And so where I live, the the closest shell station, you can only buy 300 bucks at a time. So that's about three trips back inside. <laughs> and so, uh, the, the last time I Holy. filled it, it was 850 bucks. And that was well before gas prices took off like they are now. I can't imagine what it is, uh, today, but, um, so for that station, I would have to go pay 300 on pump one, pump 300, 300 on pump one, 300 on pump one. And funny part of that was uh, the last time I did it at that station was uh, the kid kind of walked out and goes, where is all of this gas going? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's, it's over here, you know, come take a look. And he comes out and takes a picture and everything. And I have to explain what's going on. Um, but I did find one station uh, that's a, a, a Casey's, which is a, a, a mm-hmm. you know, local to or Midwest uh, brand. Uh, I, I, my family's from uh, Louisiana. So uh, just about a year ago, uh, there was a hurricane. And so we were going to go pick up our, our grandkids. And uh, I bunkered 200 gallons of fuel uh, down there for the storm to help people fill generators, chainsaws, and whatever. But the the part about that is, is at the Casey's, I went in because um, I didn't need 93 octane. And I said, hey, look, you know, I, I need to, to buy 200 gallons. You know, what can you do? And he actually swiped the card one time and turned the pump on and I filled the entire tank up nice. uh, from it. So, and, and it's funny when you do that, it, it's about 15 to 20 minutes to fill that truck up. So your, your truck doubles as a disaster relief vehicle. It, yeah. It can bunker fuel in an emergency and, and it awesome. did. So, yeah, but yeah, I filled it up one time, uh, one straight shot. That's cool. So we had a lot of questions about your fuel economy and your range you already answered how long it takes to fill up yep so obviously you calculated the range to a t to make it non-stop what is your total range at like normal cruising speeds what mile per gallon do you get at normal speeds versus cannonball yeah so um like the original target 
uh, miles per gallon was like around 14. Um, normal when, and now because the catalytic converters are off of the truck after the, the last, uh, incident with it, the, the truck on normal cruise, I, I can actually get, um, almost 20 miles per gallon okay. uh, on the road. And that's empty. That's just driving it normal down the interstate. Um, the runs will, so that's like 4,000 miles on a tank. Yeah, that would be a lot, <laughs> right? That, that, but that's that, that's without the weight in, in a, in a competitive situation, it's really a 3000 mile range, um, for the truck. Uh, so it, it's the lowest that I can go is 12.8 and make it to the Portofino. And when the truck's being run hard, I, I'm sorry, 12.5, when I ran the Southern Classic, that was my fastest run, and I was getting 12.8 miles per gallon. So what I'm looking for is a window of you know 12.8 to 13, 13.5. Hmm. And in that, as long as I don't go below 12.5, that truck will easily go nonstop, uh, okay. red ball to Portofino. So Connor Moe asked, speaking of fuel mileage and, and, and at speed, he asked why not lower the front of the truck for better aero? So fair question. And, and I don't know uh, uh, as much about true modifications that like what people would do that truly understand, you know, aero packages for high performance cars. But when I was building the truck, um, 2014 was a new body style year uh, for GM. And I actually found their wind tunnel test data uh, for that body style. And that truck has like a big plastic, you know, kind of lip on the bottom of it. And a lot of people, especially if they're four wheel drives, will take that off. GM, because they were trying to meet EPA uh, fuel standards, had done a bunch of expansive testing on that truck. Cause I thought about putting, you know, like you see kind of the, the wings for the cab or, or, or making some adjustments. GM had come out and said, look, that is the most aerodynamic pickup truck we can make in 2014 mm -hmm. for those standards. And so I really didn't feel like lowering the truck at all because I, I run airbags in the back to make sure the truck's not sagging. That truck is a Z60 package. So it is already lowered two inches from the factory. Uh, it's an on-highway truck. It's the opposite of a Z71. Mm -hmm. That's the off-road package. And keeping the plastic lip intact, I felt like aerod aerodynamically that was the most I could get sure. out of the truck. Okay. Fair question. Um, Colin asked, what is the motorcycle cannonball record along the traditional route? That was actually just broken yeah. recently by Alex Jones. I think it was 32 hours and 51 right. minutes, I think. I announced it two weeks ago on the podcast mm -hmm. and already forgot. Steve, has anyone contacted you about breaking your record? We know the Southern Trail one was broken. It, yeah, Bronson Justice did a fantastic job breaking my record. Yep. Um, and, and I think he, I, I can't quote the time, I think he beat 25 me by like and 40 change. minutes. Yeah, yep. like he, he did a fantastic job. Um, and I had chatted with him um, some about it. I've, I've had other people talk to me just about general cannonball builds. I, I haven't, I've heard people talk about running a truck. I haven't had somebody approach me and say, Steve, I'm going to run a truck and go against that time. Um, but I've just kind of had more general chatter. However, what really shaped my opinion of behavior in the cannonball community is David Simpson. Yeah. Because I was that person that yeah. sent a blind 
Facebook message to somebody I did not know and said, Hey, I really want to break your record. And David gave me his time. And then he really, you know, did his duty to make me understand the seriousness of, yeah. of this kind of undertaking. And so now you know, that answer becomes, if somebody approaches me, I feel like because I've benefited from that, you know, mentorship, I, I'm obligated to do the same for somebody that is serious in their request and, and can really articulate that they understand the responsibility of doing this, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that they're showing some kind of, you know, capability, responsibility in their build, and they're, they're not going to be a menace uh, on the road, then I've got all kinds of time for, for those people. That, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but that becomes difficult when people contact me about our record, because I feel like mm-hmm. if you are going after sub 25, you have to be such a menace already. There's no possible way you can have a rational bone in your body and you like it's just, I'll tell we're you, starting it's, off from the wrong foot yeah yeah no from and, the get-go and and I think there you and I've had this discussion I always call it you know uh MLB baseball and AAA you know baseball and I'm very open about that and and I I know that I exist in a little bit you know lower of a tier in performance for for cannonball and so I think it is a huge mistake for someone to come out of the box and say that they want to make a run at your and and Arnie's time and have never done this before. Right. I, I think that is just completely unreasonable. No kidding. I mean, it, it, who would you don't do understand, as some you don't understand. Yeah. Frick. Yeah. <laughs> because I think what people forget is, you know, whether it's Fred, whether it's you and Arnie, you know, even if it's Ed to some degree, like these were people that had experiences and had prepared. It yeah. wasn't somebody that bought a car on right. Wednesday on Saturday to decide they're going to run it. Right. And, and I think when I've had those conversations with people about builds and, and, and the community gets into a lot of discussions about records or notable times. And, and I kind of get that, but I think, you know, these kind of records or notable times or, or you have to have that in this community to give people something to shoot for so that honestly, they're not trying to go sub 25, right? Like you, you almost, the community needs to be protected with these other tiers so that people can be involved. They can have something to shoot for. That's honestly responsible. Um, because I don't know. And, and every time a record gets broken, people say the same thing. It'll probably never get beat. I honestly believe that for your and Arnie's time. And again, I could be proven wrong tomorrow, but I think the, the ability to safely do that in current conditions probably does not exist. Yeah. Keyword in current conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well you may, and, and your point about classes, I I think makes sense because it's just like Lamar racing. You have Mm -hmm. the LMP class, the GT1, GT2, GT3, all that. Um, but regardless of the speed, you might be in the AAA in the speed, but you're not in character. Like in character, I think you are one of the most stand up selfless members of the cannonball community. And uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you because of that um along those lines somebody uh not somebody wesley asked and wanted to hear more about uh what you did during the hurricane to help people out because he said people want a fuel good story a feel good story (laughs) 
Mike's no, it in the was way here. It, it was pretty basic. Um, you know, it, it it don't let me oversell that. I, I think you know, for me, the the truck was sitting there with an empty fuel tank. Um, uh, my my children and my grandchildren and a bunch of extended family are are from Southwest Louisiana, and so you know, of course, the hurricane had hit, and and and. If you if you've never lived down there or been down there, you don't understand how much these people suffer when this happens. It's it's still August. Um, it's, it could be September. It's hot. They lose power for you know. I think one of their worst storms. They lost power for a month to six weeks. Wow. And it's awful. It, it, and they and but these are people that have spent their whole life dealing with this. They just power right through it. You you want to talk about character of people. It's these folks that, that put their lives back together after hurricane. So, um, you know, for us, you know, the, the three granddaughters, two of them are, are really small at the time, you know, our, our, our son and daughter were wise enough to know, look, these kids can't stay down here while we're trying to, to put things back together. So we were going to, uh, pick them up and bring them back to Illinois to stay with us for however long they needed to. Well, then of course I was going to take the truck down what can you do to help? I, I knew from personal experience, you know, these people are living off of gas powered generators to try to run an air conditioner or refrigerator. The, the latest hurricane that hit Southwest uh, Louisiana, just, it took down, I think the statistic was like 40% of the trees in that parish were knocked down. And so you knew that they were just trying to get trees cleared off of property. So now they're running chainsaws. They need oil. They need whatever. And so as as we were preparing to go down there to to pick up these uh, three girls, um, filled up the tank, put 200 gallons in the tank. And, and fortunately, the way that tank is built, the filler neck is actually the same thread um, uh, that comes off of a 55-gallon drum. So I was able to go to the store and buy like a hand crank pump that would go just like you were going to pump out a 55 gallon drum Threw that in there, bought as many gas cans as I could find, um, every bit of chainsaw oil and extra chains and, you know, different things, uh, that they would need bug spray, just anything I could fit into the cab of the truck, put that in there, drove it down there. And then we just, uh, a, a good friend of mine and I took the truck down and then we just hooked up the pump and just filled up as many gas cans and generators, people's pickup trucks, their cars, until all the fuel was gone. And then we just gave out the the chainsaw oil cans if they needed them. Just whatever we had, we gave that out, loaded up three little girls, and then drove the truck 14 hours back to, to Illinois. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome until you're trapped with three little girls <laughs> in the back of a, a pickup truck and you've been awake for 24 hours driving back to Illinois, and that was the worst part, you know. No good deed goes yeah. unpunished. Yeah, that's right. There's your, there's your fuel for thought right there. <laughs> We're going to try going to the calls again, see if this works. Ryan, not Ryan, Bryce from Atlanta. Can we hear you? Maybe. No. Oh, my gosh. All right. Guess we're not doing calls today. <laughs> All right. We got plenty of questions. Anyway. Travis says, Steve was going to verify our arrival at the Pornofino during the Transcon Medevac mm-hmm. failed run. He still completed his run in his wife's Acura. We ended on a trailer. Yeah, that was that was uh, fun because uh, Travis had, had called me... Um, and it was actually after I had 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 
parked the truck and gotten into my wife's car and Travis video calls and says, Hey man, you know, what are you doing? And, and it was really quiet about running the van, mm-hmm. um, for the, the 50th. And, uh, he says, are you going to be at the Portofino at this date? And I was like, well, Travis, my plans have kind of gone sideways, but we'll be out there. You tell me, you know, what date. And, and I was so excited for that. I would, yeah, it would have just been were. a, a, just a, a once in a lifetime experience to be at the Portofino and watch the transcom medevac mm-hmm. come in. Um, but I, I'm, I'm completely confident it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, it's and hopefully happen. I'll know when and get a chance to to be there when it when it arrives yeah what countermeasures do you run and somebody else asked specifically austin williams asked if you ran a unit in r3 yep which sparks the never-ending radar detector debate so what do you run in the truck given that you're doing stuff solo and you don't have a co-driver to manage all the screens so and and i'll qualify this with i I don't have any experience with other brands besides uniden so i can't necessarily get on a soapbox uh either way about it what i can tell you is for the first two runs that i did with the truck i had a unit in r3 Um, I was very pleased with the performance uh, of that radar detector on flat ground. I think it has wonderful range. Um, as we got into the last year, I've upgraded to the R seven. I do like the arrows, uh, just like how the Valentine ones Mm -hmm. had, it took me a little bit to get used to. Um, but that's the radar detector that I've been using. I hear great things about escort. I hear great things about Valentine, uh, one, um, you know, you get into stuff like the highway radar app. Um, and, and then also the, uh, the Valentine app. I, I can't tell you that I chose Uniden over, uh, those for any particular reason other than good reviews, some, some discussions in the cannonball community. And I just haven't wavered from it cause they performed pretty sure. well for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I always say the best radar detector is the one that you know and are familiar with. Which is interesting because I didn't fully appreciate that until I got the R7 and just the audio cues were different and and you can set them back to it. But I think to your point, like I've gotten to where I don't even have to look at the radar detector. I can just listen to the tones and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And yep. I think even if I felt like there was a better brand or option, I don't think mentally I could make the change because I'm so conditioned to understand right. what the unit and tones and sounds are, right. are doing. I, I have right. situational awareness just from what I hear. Right. Um, Bryce, who tried calling in, texted, uh, Steve, how was the ride to the Portofino after fixing the pistachio? And Doug, how was the ride after breaking the insight? Who said I broke it? Why That's the word always... on the street, Doug. I mean, I, do you care to confirm or deny? Just because I'm fast doesn't mean I break crap all the time. Yeah. Just sometimes. I, I, I would say it, it felt really good um, because, you know, number one, that the car was fixed. It, it wasn't a catastrophic loss. Um, but But really, you know, again, for me, I just really love what I love about the truck and the Saturn is GMC and Saturn are not supposed to be in the same sentence as Cannonball. And so to take the Saturn and finish the run with it, you know, even if it was, you know, just, you know, for ceremony, it it felt really good because I had taken the Saturn, cleaned it up, done some work to it, made it, you know, helped improve its reliability. And that car drove coast to coast. And, and, and so it felt still really beat, good to do that. You still beat the Google Maps time by two and a half hours. Yeah. Three and a half, depending I, yeah, on which yeah. route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 43 yeah. hours is the, the, the time for yeah. the southern route. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, it was less enjoyable, I think, in the insight. We've had, I've had so many breakdowns, uh, non finishes or frustrating finishes that to me, you know, Arnie and I are very competitive. We were going for a win. We had built that car sure. to be, you know, in the top three. And it was disappointing to not be chasing that. Mm-hmm. It was certainly a better finish than giving up and flying in or whatever. Um, but we ended up, I made it a challenge anyway, because I found somebody that we were chasing to the finish. And that mm-hmm. was a short bus. I didn't actually know we were racing you to the finish, but we we're racing the short bus to the finish, which, uh, you know, that's never, it's never good for the ego when the yeah. fastest cannonballers in the country are trying to beat a short bus from New York <laughs> to Los Angeles. Yeah. But given that we had had an eight hour delay, we thought that wasn't too bad. And, uh, we were an hour and a half behind them in Vegas, and I made the mistake of telling them that we were coming for them. So they put the hammer Dropped down, the hammer and, and we were 10 minutes behind them to the finish. But okay. it gave us something to do, something to chase, some camaraderie still within yeah. the event rather than just like hanging our head in shame and rolling yeah. in, you know. Yeah. Eight hours after we wanted to, so yeah. When they when they passed me in Barstow, um, they they I was getting a a, a ration from a Jared because because again the rental car that I picked up didn't have any gas in it, so I had to stop and put <laughs> gas in it. And then like next to the gas station was an In and Out Burger, which is a complete weakness oh. for me. And I hadn't had solid food in two days <laughs> at this point. My car was broken down. I'm trying to get this, you know, Dorito smelling Altima to to the Portofino. And so I'm swing. I just run over really quick and try to grab something to eat. And all of a sudden my, my uh, messages blow up and it's Jared. He goes, well, we're passing the flying pistachio. You're at in and out burger. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and so it, yeah. but it was hilarious. I think we were probably at a, a diner in, in a terrible diner in Colorado, <laughs> right about the same time. It was orange and the food tasted orange too. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, waiting on parts. <clears throat> Speaking of solid food, the question everybody asks about every cannonball, mm-hmm. how do you manage bathroom? Yeah, no, and, and really how do you manage it with a, a true nonstop solo? Right? Um, I actually did a TikTok about this and and, and I've, I've I've kind of put that message out. And and so I think the 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 second portion of it you know, is what goes in comes out. I, I think most cannonballers have this figured out, you know, kind of cutting out carbohydrates. Um, I find just a tablet of Imodium on, you know, start day is a good insurance policy. That's actually not the hard part, you know, is to figure out is how to, to get, you know, through it. For me, um, because I was running solo, you know, Gatorade bottles kind of become the go-to answer. For me, wrestling a 6,500-pound curb weight vehicle down the interstate at speed, I just didn't want to do that by myself. Sure. So I actually did some some uh, Googling and found uh, Rugged Radio sells it, and you can get them from medical supply stores as well. Um, but Baja 1000 racers use them, and it's called an external racing catheter. And so the gory details are, you know, it's it's what you can imagine, you know, external being the keyword versus internal. And if you can get that attached to yourself, which is a, a joy, um, basically you can then take surgical tubing and I run it through the bottom of the truck. And so does now your I'm wife not, help you prepare? 
No, she does not. Um, because honestly, because she'd have pictures on Instagram or, or she would completely ridicule me. So that's a very private moment. That might, to take that might go that. viral on TikTok. I, I actually did a TikTok where I showed it and people completely freaked out. Um, but yeah, but like for me, that was the, the, the best way to, to handle it. Like I, I don't, I don't have, you know, jugs of urine, you know, in the truck with me, you know, when I get to the finish line and as long as you're not tailgating me, it's no big deal. You know, drafting takes on yeah, a whole new right. meaning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay Roberts asked, and he's a, another solo he's, cannonballer. He's a machine. He's a yeah. machine. He said, what do you do physically prepare to prepare your body before and during your runs? It's a lot, and, and and I know that I'm by no means an Adonis or an example of physical fitness, but I, I think people don't fully appreciate, you know, what it takes. Like if you're methodically planning for this, you know, the diet changes that have to take place, um, sleep regimen. You know, it's it's I, I'm trying to catch up on as much sleep as possible um, before I go. Um, I actually, because I again, I'm not the most physically active person in the world. I'll try to actually do more exercise before um because when you're running solo i'll normally wear compression clothing uh Mm. to help with blood clots but then i'll try to to get a you know some more cardio activity than i normally do trying to prepare yourself to basically sit that long you know because Mm. you know you think about that you i I sat in a chair for 35 hours you know and didn't move and you've kind of got to prepare your body physically for that you know because again blood clots become a real risk and luckily I'd, I'd traveled a lot internationally gone on long-haul flights so I understood exercises that you kind of need to do and things like that but there's a lot of preparation that goes into yep. these things to do it right and not have complications yeah sure especially solo uh Justin Johnson offered his CB tuning setup advice and from the best I can tell from his profile, he has all his teeth isn't stuck in 1970, nor does he believe in UFOs. Okay. Which is amazing that considering is. somebody who knows how to set up a CB. Um, but is it even useful? Does anybody use CBs anymore? Does it matter to have a high wattage amped up CB with 10 I, miles range? I, I think people will share different opinions. Um Whenever there was an accident or traffic had stopped, the truckers would kind of tune up. But then a lot of times it was just complaining about people not getting in the right lane. Um, It's funny. I mean, I kind of liked it because it just kind of gave me something to scan for. I use the uh, the unit in 885, the combo unit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm monitoring GPS, you know, police signals and CB uh, within one unit. You know, but honestly, like that, that radio has never saved me. Uh, from anything. I think it's interesting. There's probably a scenario where it would. I love your story about how you convinced truck drivers to, you know, quit holding hands and and get out of the way on uh, Vinwiki. That's my secret. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's, I I would stop short of saying, no, they're useless. What I can tell you from anecdotal experiences, I I didn't get a a benefit from it. Yeah. Less, less and less for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You or not, Bill asked two questions. He, mentioned he said is there really a death penalty for speeding in ohio do you think that's true Um, my follow-up to that is what is the most difficult state in your opinion to run speed through is it ohio do they live up to the reputation well i mean so now my experience is if you're polite and respectful and you live out of state you can write a check and get through ohio well i guess you know what is the most difficult state to not get caught missouri in my opinion 
I, I've because I've traveled through Missouri. I've been pulled for um, seven over in Missouri, and you know, and in in a cannonball type event, especially it was interesting in the musketball because we were my group. We were overnight and kind of those rolling, dipping hills. Like Missouri makes me nervous. Yeah. Like I know they're aggressive. Um, I I don't run ALP, so I'm not jamming laser. But I can't defeat instant on any better than Nobody anybody can. else, right? It's it's there, and they're good at it. And and yep. while I'll tell you my law enforcement experiences dated by twenty years, I know what a good hiding spot looks like. And mm-hmm. in Missouri, you can't pick them out unless you know that road. Like you're popping over so many hills, you're basically basically doing speed runs in valleys, and then you need to slow for the top. And man, for me, I, I, that's the state that that I'm most nervous about. Yeah. The Boston Missouri. Brawlers would agree with you because yeah. they got <laughs> they two tickets there. Yeah. Um, d- oh, Dan Dan yeah. Doucette got yeah, a yeah. ticket. Yeah. Yep, in, in Missouri as well. Yeah, they, okay. they don't, they I, don't, I don't play know what around. this means. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I got the ticket. I didn't. We knew you, Okay. Anyway. I guess they all got. There was like a, a bevy of cops sitting in a valley waiting, oh. waiting for everybody on that run. So, yeah. um, so Bill asked another serious, a more serious question: Are you looking at weather patterns before you leave, trying to give yourself a window for the best weather when you decide to make a run? How does that impact your decision on when to go? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody does. Uh, that, you know, we're all looking at Google Maps for traffic patterns. We're looking at weather forecast. <clears throat> NOAA has some really good sites that'll give you kind of a, a three-day outlook. But I think the reality, if you're someone like me who's not going for the overall speed record, right, you're, you're kind of in this these sub-tiers, you know, what a lot of people don't forget is, like, you got to take a week off of work to do this, and you mm-hmm. got to schedule that. Like, for most people... This is a big, you know, time investment. And so you're almost kind of committed to the weekend you picked. Like you may be able to swing it a little bit. You know, from my experiences, I'm looking for major snowstorms, major catastrophic weather events. Um, but really, you know, I've got a, a an app on my iPad that I run in the truck. Uh, that's a NOAA real-time weather forecast. I think the reality becomes if you're running New York to L.A., it's are you going to break north or south? Like there's that moment of sure. Am I going to dip south because I think there's snow in the Rockies, or is there weather on the south? Um, so now the short answer becomes yes. Forecasting of weather is important. I think most cannonballers do it. There's a little bit of restriction for people like me that I'm kind of be getting fixed to a date uh, to run, and then after that, it is what it is. Right. You sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and weather reports only do so much because yeah. they can change while you're on the drive. Well, it's in the musket ball. We were, we were forecasting no snow in Pennsylvania. And while it wasn't a lot, we ran through some, some snow on the way out. So. You need to find a better weather forecaster. We, <laughs> well, it's we knew exactly I need, when, yeah. when it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley, <laughs> you know, um, Wesley, Wesley and Ace. Yeah. They, they, that was my weather team. <laughs> and as I'm driving through snow in Pennsylvania. Oh man. Uh, so I, apparently Colin Truman and Robert Bazzini, I don't know if you know them, but they're conspiring in the comment flow to take your record from you. But I'll, I, I mean, yeah. somebody already took the Southern Trail record, so they, the only thing they could do is beat you to Dennis's record. So yeah, maybe you need to head yeah. so to New York. So they're not taking my record. They're, you need to yeah. head to New York from here. 
to at least <laughs> yeah. take it before they do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Get, get that twelve minutes back. No, I, it's 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 definitely doable. You know, I, I think for a lot of the things that that I've done, whether it's the Southern Classic, uh, solo time, you know, whether it's you know Dennis's time, you know, for the truck. Yeah, they're beatable. A, a well prepared team and a well prepared vehicle. Yeah, they, it's very realistic. Yeah, sure. You want me to go? I'll get you down sure. to twenty nine hours. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll put you in the truck. We we're <laughs> right around checks, man. Oh man! So one of my favorite uh, favorite things about you is the fact that you have conquered TikTok. <laughs> and if we were playing Wheel of Fortune, you'll get this reference. The millennials won't. <laughs> Steve Brown's before and after category would be TikTok boomer because it has TikTok and okay boomer. Yep. Yep. And I was thinking you're probably not actually old enough to be a boomer. I don't know where that cuts off, I'm, but you I'm do a have very grandkids. Early Gen X. I'm very, very early. Okay. Yeah. So you're close. But yeah. to a millennial, everyone that doesn't have an oiled beard is old. Yeah. True. How in the world I literally just got on TikTok. I don't even know how to use it. Ethan, my producer, does it for me. So I'm, as my dad says, I'm leading from behind in the technology arena. I was one of the first people in Ohio to have a BlackBerry and one of the <laughs> last people in Ohio to have a BlackBerry. Yeah. But how did you conquer TikTok? How in the oh. world did that come about? How, how many followers do you have on there? Like 51,000. Good God. As of today? Yeah. It dumb luck. Like, I <laughs> wish I could tell you some brilliant social media strategy, but it's, it's dumb luck. And, and it actually started because of Arnie Toman. Um, after I had done the, the nonstop run, I, I swung back through Chicago and had lunch with Arnie and, and, you know, he was looking at the truck and, you know, we were just visiting and I could tell he was taking video because do you mind if I take a video of your truck? And I was like, sure. And, and, and Arnie's pretty savvy on social media. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, oh, I'm going to post a TikTok. I didn't know what that meant. You know, I, I, I kind of, I knew what it was, but I didn't have really a clue what it was about. And he goes, he kind of does this video and gives a little commentary, shake his hand, thank him for lunch, had a great visit, go home. And um, I'm visiting with my family. And I said something about, oh, you know, a, a friend of mine in Chicago made a TikTok video of the truck. And and one of the kids kind of goes, well, what's, what's the name? And I was like, it's Arnie's antics. And she pulls it up and she goes, Poppy, it's got over a million views. And I was like, my pickup truck has over a million views on TikTok? Are you serious? And she goes, yeah. And Arnie just does, he does such a great job kind of doing these overviews. And he's kind of giving some commentary. I was like, wow, that is crazy. You know, because I'd set up a Facebook. This is so, you know, boomer. I've got a Facebook page for the GMC that has, you know, 200 followers. And I know most of them, you know, Instagram's kind of mediocre, you know, for me. And, and so, you know, granddaughter says, look, you, you need to get a TikTok set up. So I set it up and I was like, well, what should I do? She was like, well, do what he did. People obviously like your truck. Just go make a video. So it started as just really basic videos. And it got like 20,000 views. And I was like, is that good? She's like, yeah, that's good. You know, <laughs> she's she was 16 at the time. She's going, I, I get 50 views. And, you know, and now I'm killing it. And so you got all like the yeah, graphics yeah. and all oh, this well, stuff. See, then I it, it kind of I'm evolved. still trying to figure out like how to put 
friggin' texter. Yeah. I just figured out how to put a link in my Instagram story. Yeah, which is brilliant. Like, I don't even know how to do that. But um, so then it kind of evolved from there. And so now I get sucked into the TikTok machine as a user. And my wife and I are sitting on the couch for like an hour <laughs> looking at cats, you know, in funny videos. And so then, you know, as I'm going, like, there's not a lot to say about a GMC pickup truck with a gas tank. So... Then I started picking up on the trends and the sounds that were going. And, you know, uh, TikTok is like that. People follow these, you right. know, sounds or, or trends. Oh, no. And replicate. No, 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 See, no. I, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I know all the, yeah, like, you yep. know, fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, so then I started coming up with these scenarios where I could take that trending sound and apply it to the pickup truck. So, um, like, there's one. And I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound so foolish, but it's like a, an audio sound. It's like, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Well, then I, I filmed me just closing the bed cover over the tank, and it I says Cannonball GMC, two hundred gallon tank. It blew up, you know. It's like yep. I would figure out how to get these sounds and apply them to a car, and it starts blowing up. But then the thing that I really learned about TikTok was um, that if you can get people to interact it boosts your engagement. It, they'll show your video to more people. Well, when I would post videos of the fuel cell, if I could, if I ended up having people argue over whether the tank was legal under DOT regulations <laughs> or not, it would get, you know, 500 comments. And then like that video has over 3 million views. Goodness and the gracious. reason is more so because people are arguing over whether my tank is legal or sure. not. And it just expanded Builds the reach of the, the video algorithm. so much. Yeah. All right. Our producer has something to say. Yeah, I'm just curious. Do you where do you find like these audios from? Are you just scrolling through your for you page and you see them, and then you yeah. take them from there, or that that's where you find? I, them I from? do like, and so I'm like anybody. Like if I find a sound that I like, I'll just like the video. I'll like that user's video, or I'll just add the sound to favorites. And um, so and and it's just it's things that I find funny. And it's like, how do you apply that to this stupid truck? Or like I, I've done a whole series on the Saturn you know, right now. And like, I'll find sounds that I like for a future video and I'm just holding them. What's, and they, they look so choppy and basic cause they're all done on my cell phone. And so I use an app called splice to kind of bring files that I record together. And then I'm putting text and like, I've got like, I've released the 11th video on the musket ball, uh, before we went live tonight. And it's just funny, stupid sounds that I've applied to that story. You also like use the filters I've noticed. Like you put your face on like top <laughs> yeah. of like. <laughs> I had to learn how truck. to do that. That was so, so hard. Steve, so is, stupid. Steve is such a big deal on TikTok that yeah. one of the, the local staples, I don't want to call her an old lady, but she's such a cool old lady of the Twinsburg community. And she's on all the Twinsburg talk, Facebook pages and all that. My wife mentioned that you were going to be in for the, for the podcast and this lady, Carol's like, oh, yeah, I follow him on TikTok. <laughs> really? That is <laughs> crazy. That is that's crazy. <laughs> Good golly. So anyway. Yeah. Well, on that note, Steve, thank you for being on our show. Thank you for driving thank out you so much from uh, Illinois at normal speeds. Yeah. We have one more sponsor to thank. That is Celebrity Machines. You know Travis yes, Bell. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, The Office, and so many more. 
Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 25-hour, 39-minute plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST for a whopping 25.39% discount. That is a big discount. Christmas presents, anyone? These are great Christmas presents for the guy or a girl in your life. So CelebrityMachines.com, discount code SWITCHCAST. And they are also sponsoring my entry into the Backyard 400 in April of 2022. <laughs> I'm going to be driving an Oldsmobile Aerotech nice. bodied six and a half horse go-kart are nice. you gonna are you I am, in this i am i've got a budweiser number nine dodge uh, yes it's kind of got a tecumseh six horse on it right now i've got some secrets how the, much fuel the, you know look i don't want to get too involved you know there's some <laughs> things i want to pull out at the last minute but that's going to be an awesome <laughs> event uh it's bad it, it's just oh, crazy gosh. bunch of middle-aged guys in these full-bodied go-karts in travis bell's backyard oh it's, gosh. it's gonna be awesome somebody's gonna break something <laughs> oh yeah somebody's yeah. gonna break something <laughs> yeah, and we're definitely. all gonna cheat i can yes. tell you my engine will not be six and a half horse <laughs> uh i currently hold the solo standing start lap record just so yeah. we all know that probably won't stand for long but <clears throat> anyway okay to our prop and flop of the week. The flop of the week, I'm going to do a live wall of shame post here as it's still fresh in my mind. We sold a GT2 RS to a buyer earlier this year and a repeat client. He emailed me this week at 9 p.m. on a Saturday not to let me know that he might be selling it or to ask if I might be interested in having the car back or maybe I had a client for it, but to say that it was already up on an auction site and would I be so kind as to say some positive things about him as a seller and about the car because it would go a long way and help him out on the auction if I chimed in because I have so much influence in the Porsche world. Uh, You do? Yeah, yeah. So he wanted me to boost his auction. My wife's response, I, yeah. I had a lot of things to say, but my wife's response was best. When I read her the email, she just said, well, that's ballsy. (laughs) That is. Yeah. So we love our repeat clients. Uh, We don't love it when people just tell us that they put a car up on an auction and then ask us to help boost their, their hammer price for free. Anyway, prop of the week is Aston Martin for not killing the internal combustion V12 engine just yet. They recently announced that they'll produce, be producing a V12 Vantage for 2022, and it will likely use the same 690-horsepower twin-turbo V12 engine that was in their Speedster model. Unfortunately, there will be no manual transmission anymore for any Aston Martins, but hey, we'll take what we can get in this new world of driverless and soulless performance machines. We, gotta, <laughs> we still have a V12 somewhere. All right, Steve, where can people, well, I know where people can find you on the internet. (laughs) It's at Cannonball GMC on Instagram or TikTok. And Facebook. And and Facebook. I kept it simple. What about my face? Ah, no, no. Tom Tom would let me get on. All right. Any parting words? No, only thank you so much uh, for for having me on and, and for the whole community for welcoming me to the Fraternity of Lunatics. Well, we're happy to have you, Steve. Uh, Thank you again to my co-host, Steve Brown, our sponsors, GT Vault, BoxCast, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, who made us this gorgeous desk. 
Thank you to our producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory, who you hear now. You can stream their whole album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m., and we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life.